0: Hello and welcome to the AM Side podcast, the show talks about all things disc golf. From weekend rounds for your mates to the Pro Tour over in the States, we've got really you covered all from an amateur perspective. As always, we're your hosts, Rob and Dale. Dale, what can the listeners expect from this week's show?
1: No guests this week. Usually it is our off week and we have uh, someone from the UK joining us, but we decided this week um, to just have it me and you um, talk about field work. Talk about how we 've been doing field work, what we think the stigmas are around field work, and what works for us, but we can't forget we've had another awesome tournament over in the u s um, Carol has brought to us the preserve, and actually watching the preserve this weekend, it reminded me it was the first live disc golf tournament I ever watched.
0: I oh, had so a little bit of nostalgia floating around the uh, the disc golf network there.
1: Well, as soon as I saw the first hole, I was like, I remember sitting there on my sofa on YouTube, M saying, what are you watching? I'm like, well, this new disc golf thing I'm trying out, they've got it on YouTube for the last day, I thought I'd give it a watch, and uh, yeah, so happy one year disc golf live watching anniversary to me.
0: Oh, happy anniversary, I don't remember the the first event, I think, I think it was the... The Lost Lakes Open, is that a thing? I remember I was on YouTube. I was looking at like a, I just Googled, or I just Googled disc golf and watched whatever came up on YouTube. I remember Andrew Fish was the guy that I really wanted to win. And he, uh, <laughs> I mean, you he don't he hear his name too often like, but over on, uh, over on the tour at the moment. So, Dale, we have had the preserve. Let's talk about MPO first because what a battle we had.
1: Yeah, big, big battle. Um, Eagle versus Macbeth versus Waisaki. Um I I had to go to bed. I was on an early this morning, so I had to go to bed and I left it on hole 13 thinking Paul and Beth's done it. I was watching part the last three holes, he's thrown some awesome shots, his putter was working. Thought he got it. I woke up this morning, checked U Disc, and uh saw that Ricky took over. Um it was really a battle of who was going to par first because they was all matching each other. One would par, one would birdie. The next person would par, the other person would birdie. It's like, it really was an awesome battle. And it's it's great to see that again. You know, we had the freeway way tie at one point for the lead. Um, big, big names. Um, big, big cards. Uh, yeah, it was, it was another fantastic weekend of life and that's why live disc golf so good i don't think watching it back it would be as good um because you're not going to get that excitement but still great great spectacle you're absolutely
0: right it's whoever drops the shot first it's not who can throw the better shot it's whoever throws the worst shot is then out of the race so um yeah it was it was awesome to watch i think uh eagles having a fantastic fantastic sort of almost a boost he got at some point in this season uh obviously taking a couple of wins lately and uh uh yeah coming almost almost another win this week but as you said Rick wasaki took the win and he might not have taken worlds but this year is definitely a wise hockey season i think um obviously Macbeth has had some had some great wins but i think really if you think about one person that's standing out just having a a career year over on tour, Wysocki is doing incredible things.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, ten fifty-free rated, same as Eagle. Um, he's having a great year. He's had one of the, a very difficult year as well. You know, the passing of his sister, um, you know, he, he came back out and, and absolutely smashed it. Um, big mention to Matthew Oram. you know, getting onto the league card, throwing well, you know, I don't know how I'd be, you know, Teeing it up with Wysocki, with Beth and Eagle—you know what a place to, to to tee it up with them. Because what pressure would you have with them? Well, you you
0: forget that Matteo's been in the game a long time. He was in he was a uh, he was in world championship final cards with Climo and, and and the like. So the guy knows how to play disc golf. Yes, he's not a a full tour tourer, um, but when you when you see him, he's he's normally. He's normally thrown really well. I remember uh, Texas State champs, he, he had a hell of a run. Um, and yeah, he's a, he's always a guy that if he is there that weekend, if he's on if he's on pace, then you can expect his name to be at the top. But obviously the fact that he's not a, a full-time at every event, like you see Wysocki, Macbeth, um, his name doesn't often get said as much, but equally a fantastic desk golfer. And I think if he was on full-time tour, he'd be a... I think you'd be up there in the, the, the 1050 boys for sure.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's just, you know, it's good to see the old timers come back and giving the boys a run for their money. But moving over to FPO, Christian Tatar, back to back. You know, every, se- I remember going back to FPO month and talking to the FPO and saying, you know, is the Europeans or are the Europeans, sorry, going to make a difference? And boy, has, uh, has she made a difference to the tour. She has spiced it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 this isn't a brag, but obviously last week's episode, I uh, I said that I think Christian's going to come in with the win just because she was just on form over the last couple of weeks and really wasn't showing any signs of slowing down. Um, and winning by such a large margin, I think it was 10, uh, 10 strokes off uh, page in second. It, it, domination is the only real word you can use when you talk about Christian. Tatar at the moment over on the FPO and it got me thinking obviously um, she did play in Worlds but she flew over from Estonia had to quarantine uh, and get herself mentally prepared for Worlds um, and disc golf is this strange sport where the top tournament the top event is in the middle of the season so it does get you think, was Christian just unlucky in the sense that she didn't maybe have enough preparation time? Uh, maybe she just needed to climatize to sort of some sort of these larger events because clearly she has more skill than most. Clearly she has more power than most. Her sidearm is a fantastic weapon that she uses whenever she can. Um, and it's just, it's just incredible to to watch. It's almost like when you watch the old Rocky movies, and obviously you're supporting Rocky that way through. But it's the uh, the mean Europeans. It's almost the opposite of that. You almost want the uh, you almost want the European to come in and take down the sort of the US uh, the US Top Gun, which Paige Pierce has shown
1: that she reliably is over the last few years. No, agreed. You know, a, a ten shot win. You know, Christian Tatar's nine sixty seven rated. You know, let's just go through her her weekend. Round one, 1001 rated round. Round two, 1003 rated round. Round three, 997. You know, going back to Paige Pierce, a 944, a 979, and a 997. You know, Christian Tatar just dominated this whole weekend. And I think you're right. I think if Worlds was a little bit later in the season and it wasn't her first event in the US this year, then we could have easily seen a European winning the world championships or certainly be, you know, close up there. Uh, let's not forget she was on the lead card going into round four, uh, round five, sorry, or, or how many there were. Um, but awesome. I, I I can't wait. I hope next year we really do get to see a full European roster in the US for, for the whole thing. Cause I generally believe that that page pierce era hmm,
0: might be ending. And, and, and the way that these Europeans have uh, come over and prepared not be able to play on tour, you've got to believe that fieldwork has played a big part in it, you know, really honing their skills until they can get out on this live coverage and show us what they're made of. So let's move on to today's topic, which is fieldwork. I know that myself and you have had uh, a very relationship with fieldwork, um, both of us uh, having changed actually the amount of field work we're doing our relationship with field work over the last year of playing so Dale, why don't you sort of go first what what was field work to you what field work do you do now if any and maybe some of the reasons why you feel like field work is both good and bad towards your game
1: yeah i think it's it's very important to say before we go on um that this is going to specifically be about taking your discs to a field and working on them. It's not going to be about putting because we both do that. We've got an episode already out with disc dot about putting. Um, So let's forget putting for work for now. But when I first started disc golf, all I wanted to do was go to a field and throw a disc mainly because I wanted to throw further. I, I wanted to record myself. You know, I wanted to see how I was throwing a disc. You know, if I, Even before I met you, Rob, you know, I was sending our friend George two or three videos per fieldwork saying, what can I do better here? What can I do better here? And do you know what? I think it's going to be, I don't know if you've got any, Rob. Um, This is off the cuff. Why don't we post some of our early fieldwork videos this week on our Instagram so we can show where we sort of were to where we are now? Because I don't know if you can remember, I completely changed from November last year. I eradicated my whole run-up, didn't I? Yeah, you completely had a reset. Uh, I think it was probably one well of the best
0: things you could have done for your game. I think we spoke to we spoke to Hunter Thomas. I believe we talked about resetting and uh, exactly. actually just reevaluating your form. Um, and definitely, I I saw that the
1: work you're putting in off of
0: the course was definitely translating onto the course.
1: Yeah. So going back to sort of this time last year, then when we first getting into disc golf, you know, I was going to the field. We had a heat wave last year as well, so it was boiling hot um you know i was going to about eight half eight at night if i once i'd finished work and just throwing discs and throwing discs in this i knew how far this field was and as the furthest i could throw on that field if i was purely because of how much room i had was 100 meters and it was always my goal to throw 100 meters so that's where we started but i was doing the wrong things i was throwing 14 speed discs because i thought that was the answer and that's when you sort of you sit back and you start to look up YouTube videos. You start to look at other people's form and what you're doing wrong. I found early on, I had a very good forehand. To this day, I have no idea why. Because none of the sports I really played really had that motion. But I had a good forehand, so I didn't really work on that as much. But looking at now, I can't remember the last time that I went to a field and through discs now mainly because I don't think I have the time you know if I have an hour that I would go and throw um, a discs in the field I prefer to go to a course and practice playing a course I'm happy with my distance now I think I've, I've come to the conclusion I'm not going to throw as far as most people I, I haven't got a massive arm you know sort of 101 so 110 metres is sort of my max distance on no wind and just throwing flat. Um, and and equally, 100 metre forehand is sort of where I'm at. But I hit my goal. I can throw over 300 foot. I'm happy with where I'm at at the moment. So field work to me, it's important. I generally, I do think it's important to find your form. But for me right now, it's not what I'm focusing on. I think that's right though. I think field work definitely, as you
0: improve as a player, it becomes more of a muscle memory rather than yeah it's it's about you you see these pros all the time going back to the field and it's not because they do the field work every single day i know some of them do but it's a case of if you're happy with how you're playing you don't necessarily need to go and get repetition in um and that's just my opinion anyway i'm sure we have people listening that will disagree and i know they'll send us uh, instagram messages saying why they think the field work is uh crucial to the sport and and i we welcome those messages and uh, and we love hearing from you guys for me I used to live 30 seconds to from to a park I again I, I loved it I'd grab my bag I'd go out there I would throw my, my entire bag 20 times from drivers to putters, I'd just throw everything yes I know it's improvement yes I know it's more control more distance but then, let's just focus on distance when you think about why you've got distance maybe if it's an open field you just did a crazy high line you allow it to flex that doesn't necessarily translate to the course um and actually what i started doing more because actually i was a 30 second water field or a five minute walk to the course at the time i would actually go to the course and not and i would chuck my phone in a bag i wouldn't use Udisc. And I would just do practice rounds on the course because some of these holes were the same distance I was hoping to get in the field, but there was the need for an S line, a large hyzer, uh, a big turnover shot, something that actually put real-world practice into in, into the game. Um, I think almost field work shouldn't be called field work; it should be called just yeah, just repetition work, something like that, or, or even field work should be should introduce trees because when people think about field work they think of being on a single line on a on a football pitch for example they'll throw they 'll throw the discs and see where it lands in in conjunction to the line, but actually maybe introduce a field into the, a tree into the field work so if you have a field and there is a tree there, stand behind it, try and bend discs around it out into the field doesn't matter where it lands, but try and hit your lines um, and I feel like that's how I've evolved as a player. I no longer just stand one end of a field look at a blank 200 meters in front of me and just throw thinking oh that was a big throw because actually really what I'm doing is I'm I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm improving because actually my form might be awful I'm not always filming myself my form might have been bad my the line might have been awful when it translates to the course um so I think it's I think that's incredibly important just understand why you're doing the work for me I was distance wasn't necessarily a problem. I was getting distance, but it was hitting those lines. And that's why I don't do field work currently. I go to I go to fields or woodlands or I go to parks that have tree lines. I love it. there's a couple of parks near me now that have got beautiful tree tunnels, which I will stick my bag at the end of a tree tunnel and just try and do flexes or hyzers or whatever the disc I pull out leans towards. And just try and get out of the tunnel because actually it's not about distance. It's all about the line I'm hitting and all about accuracy. And I think that brings so much more to a player than just being able to throw 150 metres plus.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, when we first started, all you wanted to do was throw far. You wanted to watch your disc fly as far as possible. But looking at the videos that I took back then, you know, all I'm doing is throwing on a massive highs, of thinking that I'm doing the right thing. Whereas, you know, you're teaching yourself to throw in an open field where there's no objects. As you said, go to a, go to a course or set an objective, and it's it's, it's going to help, um, and that's where I certainly found the difference. Now, when you are playing golf, you spend the first sort of well two months of your golf career playing at the driving range. You know, you are going to hit balls because you are you are learning how to throw or to how to hit the golf ball. That's exactly what field work was, and I don't know how you feel. Was for me when I first started, it was like my driving range. You know, I'm just learning how to throw, learning to get that snap, um, and then I went for a revamp mainly because I'd probably done a bit too much field work. I, I wasn't sure I wasn't doing the right things, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But field work is good. But I think just to add to field work or pre- preparing, as we're talking about you know, the disc golf game, your mental game is just as important.
0: Yeah, it's about. Uh, I, I think it's right. It's about the objectives, right? I think field work, field work makes you switch off as an athlete. Uh, you almost go into almost a meditative meditative sense, uh, which is a word I always struggle with, um, where you'll just grab a disc, throw it, grab a disc, throw it and yes you might be thinking about your arm position your leg your hip rotation but there's not any any drive as a competitive person personally I'm on a field if I throw far great and if I throw further than you've just posted on our chat that you threw 110 and I throw 115 I might message and be like hey well I got five meters on you but for me when you like if I play at a course on my own, that's still me versus the course. When you play, when you go to field work in an empty field, it's never really you versus the empty field. It's just about that distance. And that's and that does translate to the, a driving range and actually talk about almost maturity in a sport. When you do look at ball golf, um, I've been to lots of driving ranges with mates um, and you get the biggest driver you can. You stick the ball on the tee, and you just you whack that thing as far as you can, and you all have a good laugh about how far I got the ball. But then you look at the people that are there to put the work in at driving range, and they're not hitting as far as they can. They're aiming at the flags that can sell. They're aiming at the bunkers. They're aiming at the nets. They're using it as intended. They're using it to hit and hone, not just who can wang it the furthest. Um, That's why I believe. Why the, the small amount of ball golf I have played, I've massively enjoyed top golf. Because it's not about who can just again hit it into the bins and the uh, the back of the uh, the back of the arena. It is about sort of accuracy, and it adds a little bit more skill into it. So that's why I'm saying that field work is the driving range equivalent of golf, but it doesn't have those flags. It doesn't have the bunkers. So that's why take yourself to a scenario where you are having to hit tree gaps or be able to hit tunnel shots. Take yourself out of the field and into a location where there might not be a basket there. But you can hit lines consistently. You can grab five discs. You can throw them. You can throw them again, throw them again, throw them again. And the best outcome of that is if you've thrown all five and they've done exactly what you hoped they would do in, in the way that you threw them.
1: No, definitely. Completely agree. It's, uh, it's funny because it's one of the first topics we've actually sat down and spoke about where we've both agreed with what we've said. And we both have the same opinion. Um no, he, on, isn't. On <laughs> he had to be, He you had to go there. But no, I, I agree. And I, I'm gonna continue do what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm probably the happiest I've been with my with just with my game at the moment. Um biggest thing for me is my stamina. Um I think we played recently. Um I didn't eat before. Um, I played a blinding round. The first round was one of the best rounds. You know, I was pumped up. I was putting everything. Second round, slightly worse. Third round, really bad. Mainly because I just hadn't sorted myself out. You know, I should have got prepared. And that's what I'm going to make sure that for next week is going to be my first uh, two-day tournament, um, which I'm very much looking forward to. But I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared. I know my disc golf bag's prepared. You know, I know every disc in there is, is necessary. I know exactly what every single one of those discs do, but I need to make sure that I go to that first tee, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready for a full day of disc golf, full day of competitive disc golf, um, and yeah, make sure that mental game's there. I want that fire in there, and that's something that field work cannot teach you. That's something that you can teach yourself. Yeah, it's all about real life translation into the sport so it and you
0: could talk where you could literally name any sport in the world and we give an example footballers spend hours a day patching free kicks and penalties and they, they can curve it around those metal dummies into the back of the net 90% of the time does that happen in in an actual game five percent ten percent of the time no you could spend an hour sh- shooting hoops right like like because I'm cool, I say shooting hoops, you know. <laughs> um, but you could do that. And you, you could be draining three pointers. But if you haven't got a defender there marking you and basically forcing you to make errors, then you're not a guy that can shoot 10 three pointers in a row. You're a guy that can make one under pressure. Uh, and that's what field work doesn't do. Field work doesn't give you pressure. Um, and it doesn't give you, like you say, the stamina. So you don't go out and do 10 hours of field work, right? You go out and do field work when you fancy doing field work so you might go oh I've got a spare hour I'm going to do some field work in between lunch and a meeting that I've got so you're right it doesn't necessarily mentally prepare you now I'm going to flick the switch entirely because this isn't me and I think I can speak for both of us we're not saying we're never going to do field work again I'll probably get out of the field this weekend because I haven't got a tournament this weekend I don't think I can get over to the course this weekend so and I and you know what as we all are, we're addicted to throwing frisbees. So I want to get out in some regard and just have a throw. But for me, my focus of field work will come back when I start stop being un, being happy with my game. Uh, the moment I'm happy with my distance, I'm happy with my control. I am happy with the level that I'm playing. Now, on MA3, if I go to MA2 uh, in within the next year. Well, at that point where I need to step up and move to another vision, I'll probably put more effort. In. I'll probably put more field work in because I realise I need to prepare myself for a, for a much larger challenge. But um, the level that I'm playing at currently is something I'm extremely happy with. Um, but I do want to make it no- noted that I'm not writing field work off, it has its place and it is an extremely useful tool
1: in the right circumstances. Yep, definitely. And where I haven't been as competitive this year, I think at the end of this year, I've played four competitive tournaments. Um, you know, f- I haven't been in the mix this year to get into champs or anything like that because, you know, I've had, I'm not going to lie, sorry to all my disc golf fans, but I've had much better things to do. You know, I've got <laughs> Albie turned up and, and things like that. So it, it's been much better to do that. But I am ready to to take that to the next level and I've all put in work in the field work. But as you said, when I'm thinking that my game needs it, you know, this so November last year, my game did need it. I had to put in the work. You know, I was probably a few, I, was, I was a good twenty-five, probably thirty meters away from my distance. Now, wouldn't you say I couldn't really throw further? Uh, Seventy-five was probably the max. I would say that you weren't hitting a hundred meters.
0: Maybe you maybe hitting a hundred one in thirty throws, but you, but like you were really struggling with that. Now you can throw it. You throw. You throw. Three, four discs you hit hitting 100 meters easy. Yeah. Um, the I think it's extremely important for us to put a little asterisk next to this entire topic and, extremely, uh, and this conversation. And that is that this isn't me and Dale saying that we're better than field work. We're not saying that we've reached <laughs> the level that we could possibly ever reach in disc golf. We're saying we've hit a level that we're happy with how we're playing. Um, and we, I mean, we're not full time disc golfers. And that's why no. these pros are hitting the field every single day or hitting the course every day to practice. We're not full time. We have lives, as much as people might tell me that I don't. <laughs> being a disc golfer, <laughs> we have lives, we have jobs, and we have time that we can allocate towards um, towards disc golf. And this goes back to our commitment in disc golf episode of, uh, a month or so ago. We have time we can allocate, and in in reality, if we have half day to play disc golf, I'm texting the boys. We're meeting up a, we're meeting up a course, and we we're playing a couple of rounds. Yeah. I'm not thinking I've got half a day, that's great, I can have some lunch, have a cup of tea, and then get over to the field. Because my my priorities right now are playing the game rather than practicing the game. So like I said, golf. that will change.
1: Yeah. Agreed. As soon as you start making your way up the, the ranks and go from ma A two and then hopefully at some point to MPO, it becomes more of a hobby to more of you're playing competitively competitively a lot more at the moment you're still playing competitively but you're playing against other amateurs but as soon as you start playing against people that are taking it seriously you're going to want to take it seriously but we can literally talk on this forever and we said at the start of this episode me and you was like Do you know what let's, let, let's make this a little bit of a shorter episode this week um, so if you've got any questions or you want to know anything more about our fieldwork then make sure you message us on Instagram but we have got a very exciting weekend of disc golf Rob we have got Ledgestone, one of the big dogs on tour. And we've had four awesome waves of Ledstone discs. I was very, very, very lucky to get hold of one. Um, I've got a OG Glow Jawbreaker Zone with a gorgeous um, flower foil, which has been, I would say, one of the most thrown discs in my bag last time I played. Um, it is my go-to approach disc at the moment. Um, it is working wonders. So I think you're going to tie into who you think is going to win legstone this week, right? Exactly what I'm going to do. Discraft sponsored Paul McBeath. Um I wrote him off last week, didn't I? I said he wasn't going to do it. I chose Adam Hammers, and he didn't exactly do very well for me. Um, but yeah, Paul McBeff, I think he was hungry this weekend. He wanted it. Um, he'll be gutted he didn't take down Preserve. Um, but yeah, Paul loves Ledgestone. Um, two courses. Um poor important, important, Eureka and oh, what was the other one? Eureka. There's another one. I can't remember it. I'll find out. Um, but yeah, two great courses. Um just it's a great weekend of disc golf. I think it's four rounds as well. If it's four rounds of golf, two on each course. Um and yeah i'm just excited by it
0: so you've got paul for the npo who you got for the fpo down
1: um who've i got for fpo missy gannon good shout yeah i mean you like our putters absolutely love our putters cannot i i want to get a hold of these new black ones um but they haven't made it they never make their way over the uk i don't know why i'm kidding myself and I don't want to pay any more import tax this year, so I won't be getting them. I'll sit with my 8 from 99 um, ones from Disc Hub UK.
0: Well, maybe you can, uh, maybe you can win another waffle and potentially uh, that will be the prize. Well, yeah, but there's waffle,
1: then cost me in delivery, and then import tax. <laughs> so That is true. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it. I've got putters. I love my putters. I'm not changing my putters ever again. Awesome. Well, I'm going to jump over to my predictions for Legend this week. Um,
0: I stopped back and I was back and pretty much every single week moving into the season. I'm going back to Haley King. She's been having a good. She's been having a good season. Struggled to hit the top spot too much this year, but she she's been up there. Um, and I think that as always, I think she has the skills, the charisma, and mindset to to take down a big win. And I think winning Legend is definitely a big win. Um, ooh, and then over on the MPO. I'm gonna give uh Papa Sexton a uh a, a shout. You know, because he came off not touring last year because of COVID. I'd love to see him take down a big win this year. And Ledstone, of course, as I just said, is a big win. So Haley King, Papa Sexton, Nate Sexton, hopefully with a win. Is it ambitious? Yes. Uh is it gonna happen? Probably not. But you know what? If it does, then I'll have some bragging rights for next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be
1: good. To, it'd be good to see him get it done. Um, but yeah, um, shorter episode this week, but needed. It's one of those things, you know. It's nice to have that little bit of a little bit of a time, bit of a break. Um, we've got a couple of good good tournaments coming up. Obviously, you've got Essex Open next week, and in September we've got the Croydon Cyclone. Uh, my first tier, so very much, very much looking forward to that.
0: And of course, it's a shorter episode, but it's not any less of an episode than we have week on, week out, and we wouldn't be able to do any of these episodes without the sponsors of the Ampside, so let's give them a bit of love. So of course, you've just mentioned them, it's where you get your parts from, dischub.co.uk. They're uh, they're just a fantastic source for new plastic here in the UK, they do offer uh, shipping to other places. Um, they are constantly looking on social media, asking about the discs that you want. They're constantly putting discs on sale. So make sure you go check out their Disc Destroyer uh, sale they've gone at the moment. Uh, I've been throwing these discs, giving them a good go. And that uh, the the Driver uh, is a phenomenal disc. It flips up when you want it to be. Very similar to sort of a, a, a sort of Cloud Breaker-esque kind of disc. Uh, really enjoying throwing that. But all of them are just like to throw. And they are on sale right now. And you can use our code AMSIDE5, 5% off. So really there's a win-win and five more wins. So make sure you go check out um and grab yourself some new discs. Uh, and then another shout out to uh, Backhand Disc Golf, which are the official apparel sponsors of the AMSIDE. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times I can tell the the guys down that. We're looking good out in the course. I mean, a lot of people tell us that. So uh it, it doesn't need to be said. But the the quality of this clothing, the quality of the uh the accessories like the hats uh are just super, super top class. Uh, and they look good, you feel good, you play good. So make sure you check out backhand disc golf at, uh backhand-discgolf.com. You can use our code AMSIDE10 to get yourself ten percent off. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of people in the UK scene uh, showing up tournaments wearing the gear. So uh, it's great to see. Great to see that the community is growing around the brand that they've built.
1: Oh, definitely. I can't. I love back. I love the clothing. Um, I wear it even off the course. Um, it, it's so comfortable, so lightweight, and yeah, it's awesome. But make sure you check us out on all of our social medias: our Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like, and um, just give us some love on there. You know, if, you, if you're enjoying the podcast uh, and your podcast platform lets you do so, make sure you give us that five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. We're creeping up those charts, you know, big shout out to our Japanese listeners, our Finnish listeners, our Swedish listeners, and of course, our UK listeners and our US listeners. You know, it, it's awesome that we're now a global podcast, which is absolutely crazy. Um Go on, Rob. And now you're about to you're about to say thank you in all of their native tongues. So
0: ladies and gentlemen, Dale saying thank <laughs> you in Finnish, Japanese, Swedish. Come on, Dale. You, you've Imagine got if
1: I turned out and I turned and I actually did it, you'd be so impressed. Um, but you know what's coming. If we don't see you in the course, see you on the AM side.